Section two of the Welsh and their literature by George Barrow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Eric Metzler. Section two. For many years after the death of Hu, the Cymri retrograded instead of advancing in civilization. They ceased to be a united people. Plunder and devastation were of daily occurrence among them. Every one did as he pleased, as far as in his power lay. There was no law, but the law of the strongest, and no justice, save that which was obtained from clemency and courtesy. At length when Prydain arose, who, either from ambition or nobler motive, determined to introduce a system of government amongst them. By strength of arm and character he induced the Cymri of the lower country to acknowledge him for their head, and to obey certain laws which he enacted for the regulation of conduct. But neither his sovereignty nor his laws were regarded by the Cymri of the hilly regions. Prydain was the first king amongst the Cymri, and from his time the island was called Britain, which is a modification of his name, and the inhabitants Britons. The independent Cymri, however, disdained to call themselves or their districts after him, but still styled themselves Cymri, and their districts Cymriland and Cumberland, whilst the Gael of the north, who never submitted to his sway, and who knew little about him, still called themselves Gael, and their country Caledon and Alban. Various kings succeeded Prydain, during whose reign the Britons continued in much the same state as that in which he had left them. On the coming of one Duvenwal Mulmid, however, to the throne, a mighty improvement was effected in their condition. This prince was the great lawgiver of the Britons, and the greatest benefactor which the race had known since the days of Hugadarn. Tradition differs as to his exact origin, but there is ground for believing that he was the chief of a Cornish tribe, and that he was elected to the throne on account of his wisdom and virtue. He gave a regular system of laws and a constitution to the kingdom, and appointed magistrates in every place, whose duty it was to administer justice without respect of persons in all disputes, and whenever the law had been violated. This great and good man is believed to have lived about four hundred years before the Christian era. After the Cymric, or British race, had been established in the island about thirteen hundred years, they were invaded by the Romans, under Julius Caesar. The king, who at that time ruled in Britain, was called Caswachon. He was a great warrior and much beloved by his subjects. In him and his Britons the Romans found their match and more, for after a month's hard fighting and skirmishing, they were compelled to betake themselves to Gaul, the country from which they had come. Mighty was the triumph in Britain, says an old chronicler, on the retreat of the redoubted foe, and Caswachon gave a great festival at Caerlyd, or London, which was reckoned in after times one of the three grand festivals of Britain. A grand festival indeed it must have been if, as an ancient bard says, full twenty thousand beeves and deer were slain to find the guests with cheer. Britain was not subdued by the Romans till the time of Claudius Caesar. When conquered it was still permitted to possess a king of its own, on condition that he should acknowledge the authority of Rome and pay tribute to her. The first king in the world to confess the faith of Christ was a British king, tributary to Rome. This king, whose name was Thes ap Kol, 
made his confession as early as the year 160. The Christian faith is supposed by some to have been first preached in Britain by Joseph of Arimathea, by others by St. Paul himself. After remaining several centuries under the sway of Rome, the Britons again became independent, the Roman legions being withdrawn from the island for the defense of their own country, threatened by barbarian hordes. They did not, however, enjoy their independence long. A ferocious race, of mysterious origin, whom they called Guidelian Vichti, invaded them, and filled their country with horror and devastation. Unable to offer any effectual opposition to these invaders, they called to their assistance, from the neighborhood of the mouth of the Elbe, the Saxons, or men of the knives, a bold and adventurous, but treacherous and bloody people, who at first fought stoutly for them, but soon turned against them, and eventually all but extirpated them from southern Britain. A serpent that coils, and with fury boils, from Germany coming with armed wings spread, shall subdue and enthrall the broad Britain all, from the Lochlin ocean to Severn's bed. And British men shall be captives then to strangers from Saxonia's strand. They shall praise their God, and hold their language as of old, but except wild whales, they shall lose their land. Taliesin Footnote The poetical translations in this notice are taken from Barrow's Songs of Europe. End of footnote. End of section 2. Recording by Eric Metzler. Albuquerque, New Mexico, United States of America.